Hey everybody, it's Scott. I'm here with a surprise bonus episode for you. I got an opportunity to speak a couple days ago with the co-creator and co-author of Claudia Christian's Dark Legacies Project, which includes short stories, comic books, games, uh, whatever you can think of, they're doing it with this project. Chris McCauley is an amazing guy who I really enjoyed speaking with. He's going to spend the first part of the interview talking about the project with Claudia and also some of his other projects. And then we are going to start talking about Babylon 5 and his experiences with the show. For those who are new to Babylon 5, have no fear. I'm going to give you a spoiler warning before we get into anything that could be spoiler topic-y. So please enjoy the first part of the interview. And then if you don't want to talk about Babylon 5 uh, in terms of spoilers, go ahead and drop out at that point point in either case i hope you like share subscribe follow all the things you can do with this as well as most importantly please leave us a review on your app or on youtube or whatever you're using for this podcast it really does help us grow the show and then also be sure to check out the links to chris's projects including claudia christian's dark legacies down in the show notes so you can help them out as well Thank you so much for joining us for this bonus interview, and then we will be back next week for our, our normally scheduled podcast. Thanks, everybody. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. Hello everyone out there in podcast land. Welcome to Grace 17, a Babylon 5 podcast, a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. And we are here with a bonus episode and I'm here with Chris McCauley, who is co-author of the Dark Legacies. I guess we call it a universe, Chris, because you've got a lot of stuff going on, but I'll let you tell us what uh, the projects and projects are. And what we usually do here on the B5 side of things is ask our uh, folks who join us uh, two questions, and that is, uh, who are you and what do you want? So we'll start there. Who am I? Um, I don't know yet. I'm still, <laughs> cook- I'm still cooking. Um, I'm 40. I, I turned 40 this year. Uh, so uh, I'll tell you who I was. I uh, studied uh, ancient Near Eastern history at uh, university. I uh, wanted to be an archaeologist. That didn't work out, so I had to try something more practical, so I went into IT. I was in IT for a long time uh, and then moved into video games and, and story, thanks to Pat Mills, and uh, went into comic book illustration, uh, colouring, and then uh, video game programming and then video game narrative and now uh yeah franchise runner i suppose um so that's who i was who am i uh i'm a husband somebody who loves his uh cat very dearly (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i I think i'm a very lucky individual i think i find my calling in life i think i find something that has made me very happy for the last uh, few years for the last four years and um Yes, that's maybe who I am, a very happy and lucky and appreciative individual. Um, what was your second question? Oh, I think you got them both. I said, who are oh, you? What do you want? What do you what want? I want? What yeah. I want? Um, yeah, that's quite a loaded question. What do I want? Um, for others to experience what I experience, 
on a daily basis for 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 everybody to achieve their dream, to be happy, and um, to really realize their potential. But if you're listening to this and you're wondering, um, you've got all these great ideas and you're wondering what to do with them, um, do something with them. For God's sake, life is too short. Trust me, I know that. Um, yeah, I think that's what I want. I want people to to genuinely follow. Was it Joseph Campbell said, "Follow your bliss." Mm. It's probably the best piece of advice. That's what I really want. Great. Now let's talk dark legacies. Yeah, I think collectively it's really Claudia Christian's universe. So I'm, I'm the, the, the co-creator, uh, co-author, and business partner of Claudia's, and we've crafted this this sort of universe. So we've got science fiction, we've got horror, we've got fantasy, and uh, in December we're deploying cyberpunk as well. I've been kind of reading up on you all as we've been playing tag here for the past couple of weeks. And uh, it sounds like you've got a lot of fingers in the pie here. We've got the Kickstarter for the comic book, which closed down here in August. And you guys got uh, the uh, the first issue of that. And then uh, working on issue two, you've also got the novella. You've got all of that. So I think the first bit uh, would be, Telling us about how you got into this and how you started working with Claudia on uh, both this and also, as you uh, you mentioned before we started recording, the uh, Babylon Quiz book as well, too. So you've been in this world for a bit. Yeah, Claudia and I have been friends for about God, seven years now. So it's something you start, I, I started right about seven years ago. I was very lucky. I was mentored by uh, the person who created 2008, Pat Mills. Um, I worked on Judge Dredd. I worked with several other sort of major comic book writers during that time, thanks to Pat. And um, yeah, Claudia, Claudia and I had sort of connected um, because I reached out because a family member was having an issue of alcohol. So everybody knows about C3 Foundation and um, Claudia does that. Uh, I have to be honest with you. I didn't know who Claudia was at that time. I didn't. I will. I, I. I didn't put two and two together. Later, we'll we'll probably get into my experience with Babylon Five, but um, yeah, she was very supportive. Uh, we became great friends, and um, last year, I took on the Dracula franchise with uh, Bram Stoker's great uh, grand nephew, uh, Decker Stoker and invited her on to uh, one of our all-star audios. So we have an audio called Voices of Dracula. It kind of, um, it's like a pinpoint of uh, things that happened during the original novel from the perspective of Renfield's uh, Van Helsing, Mina Harker and Dracula. And a new character that I put in, simply called The Thief, and I crafted it for Claudia, invited her on. And uh, she was very enamoured of my writing style. We got into a conversation last, God, probably August time. And she said, could you write me a science, fi- a science fiction universe? And I said, yeah, that, let's go for it. I didn't really stop there. It, it started with a science fiction universe. And then I discovered she enjoyed fantasy as well, especially Irish fantasy. And then I started writing that. And then, um, and then it moved into the comic books and audio dramas. 
So we, we are connected with the worlds of Doctor Who. We created the Cyber On uh, audio drama together. She voiced one of them. Uh, Doctor Who's Davros is a friend of mine, Terry Malloy. He voiced the other. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, now we're moving on to uh, Cyberpunk. It, it, it's To be honest with you, I'll be completely honest, it's a bit headspin. <laughs> I, I didn't plan for all of this. And it, it's just happened. I mean, we've, we've dipped our toes into, you know, if, if you follow uh, Claudia's Facebook, you'll see we've dipped our toes into Lovecrafts. Uh, we, we also created a property called uh, Three Musketeers versus Cthulhu, which <laughs> went, for, went from a, a story in an anthology that, you know, I'm completely honest, it was a bit of a throwaway story. And now it's become a comic book and uh, an RPG. Um, so, yeah, so it, it can be a bit head spinning when I talk about it all, but it, it came from the original premise of you know you know can we write the science fiction universe together? Can we can we build something on that? And it's it's your background is very interesting in that, and I think that lends itself to what you're talking about here and having multiple different genres kind of come together uh you know the kickstarter for dark legacies uh says the expanse meets the terminator meets blade runner and a hard-hitting action <laughs> sci-fi comic book thriller and you know the, what you're saying here is the same kind of idea just kind of taking all of those different genres that have cultures amongst themselves and finding a way to uh stitch together a tapestry and it sounds really interesting to me and i'm sure it's fun as hell to write just because you get to kind of dabble in a whole bunch of different things yeah i mean I, i've worked on the terminator i worked on the official terminator rpg and uh it's upcoming sequel as well and that, that's all everything that i write becomes canon and terminator lore uh, through the, the license holders you just gonna drop so that, that was, there by the way everything i write uh, was, becomes was, canon nice yeah that's <laughs> a, it's a, it was weird for me as well it, it's just um, it was a lot of fun because we had uh, the, the game company had uh, the Malibu, I think it was the Malibu comics. We had definitely had Dark Horse comics rights. Um, so that was fun. So I, I tried to incorporate a lot of that in there as well. So I think that's where the, the, the whole Terminator, the, the publisher is like, oh, it's the Terminator. And it's, it's, it's really its own thing. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, I write for fun and I write for people to to find joy in the universe and to just have fun with it. And um, I, you know, I, I'm looking to entertain people. I'm not like the great maker. I don't, I don't try and, and put messages anywhere. Uh, I don't have, like, to be honest with you, I don't have a massive story arc of things that I write. Um, but I do it for fun and I, I'm doing this for Babylon 5 fans. I'm one of them. And uh, yeah, it, it's just so much fun to work with, uh, with work with the cast of Babylon 5 and craft their characters and create this, this, this whole universe, yeah. Okay, Al, I promised you that when we got to spoilers, I'd warn you, we're getting there right now. So if you have not uh, gone past where we are, in season one, which is signs and portents, leave now because we're going to start spoiling stuff that happens throughout the entire show. 
Now, if you have seen Babylon 5 or you don't care about spoilers, continue on. Chris is going to start talking about his experience with Babylon 5, and it is an amazing story of utilizing pop culture to understand the world around you. So if you are okay with spoilers, stick around. And if not, thanks for joining us and be sure to check out the show notes where I have information about how you can find out more about Dark Legacies, uh, Claudia Christian and Chris McCauley's project that is full steam ahead. So check it out and we'll continue out the interview. Thanks. And you say uh, good working with the cast of Babylon 5. Your stretch goal, which you hit on the Kickstarter, was uh, an alternate cover with uh, Bruce Boxleitner. Yes. And I know you've uh, you've got some other things up your sleeve that we can't yes. talk about yet. Can't but talk about uh, that's uh, th- that's exciting stuff that you got going here, kind of bringing those folks into this as well too. Bruce uh, is a jam. I have yeah. to say, Bruce is Bruce is a principal man. He's everything you've ever thought he would be, and probably more. I have a great uh, love of the Western genre, so. Um, Claudia was like, no, Bruce, you know, you've got to come on board. Uh, this, this is a whole lot of fun. So I've written uh, him as a, a Martian uh, marshal. We've kind of cheekily called this Martian law. Actually, this, this section of it, the actual story name is And Hell Followed Him. So if you were a Kickstarter backer, you get the story, this kind of exclusive story that Bruce and I wrote together. And he schooled me in a lot of old, old, old-fashioned uh, Western, so you know, Gunsmoke uh, stuff. He was actually involved with Gunsmoke, Red River, Gods and Generals. Um, you know, all of that stuff that he's been involved with as in Westerns. He came to me and he said, Okay, go and watch this, go and watch this, searchers, go and watch all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I did, and I came up with the character and I wrote it for him, and he loved it. I, I was very lucky, but he's a very generous individual as well. He gives a lot of his time and. You know, it, it, it's yeah. He he's been a hero of mine for a while since we were kid. I mean, we all remember him from Tron. But uh, yeah, he loves he loves the whole aspect of Dark Legacy. He's, he's getting his own spin-off comic. I think I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, he's getting his own spin-off comic. So um, if you were a Kickstarter backer, you'll get the the first story. Um, but there'll be lots more of them in issue two. And also, we have agreed that he's he's get his character gets it. Spin off comic next year. That's awesome. And I, I mean, yeah, I, I was, and we're going to talk about your experience with B5 here in a second, too. Um, for, for me, uh, I was there at the beginning, <laughs> the beginning, uh, with uh, 93 and 94. But when the changeover happened in season two, bringing Boxliner on and adding him to the cast was just a, a dynamic shift that was a, an amazing. Um, uh, way to continue the story, even though there was some, obviously stuff behind the scenes going on. And I, I also, uh, as a history nerd, uh, the fact that you mentioned uh, gods and generals, I always love the fact that he pops up in there as well too. As Longstreet, I'm a big fan of uh, a big uh, Gettysburg gods and generals. I'm, I'm, I'm upset we never got last full measure, but I'm okay. And as you kind of discussed already, you've got a background with Babylon Five. I'd love to hear where where you joined into this uh, fandom and your experience with the show and how that uh, led you to this point as well, too. I was ten years old and it was playing on uh, UK's Channel Four, and it was very haphazard. So you would get it. Um, I think the gallery was on at like midnight. My family didn't 
fiat chess players. I mean, we, we were quite, we were the typical Irish of the 90s. Uh, we didn't have anything like that. Um, but, you know, and, uh, I think we played season two and three uh, on Sunday. So they, they had a sci-fi film that played before it. So I can vaguely remember Peter Cushing's uh, Dalek movies kind of been spun around. We had The Blob. We had, you know, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. And then we would have an episode of Babylon 5 around at 6 o'clock on Sunday. And I hated the thought of going to school on the Monday. So I used to eat all this stuff up. But my I didn't have a massive memory of these things because I suppose I was quite young. But I did remember Londo and Shakar. And the reason I remembered them, Northern Ireland's a very divided society. So um, why we hate people in Northern Ireland is because they're of a different religion. So you're a Catholic or Protestant. And I was growing up in a, in a time where people were, like there was bombs going off, bombs going off on my streets. You know, as a kid, you would have gone through the bomb craters to your school, um, shootings, there was daily killings, all sorts of things. It was a terrible, it was a terrible time, but it was just normal for me. And I was taught to hate the quote-unquote other side. And I watched the, the storyline between Shakar uh, and Londo between season two and season three. Mm-hmm. And I realised I didn't have to hate anymore at 10 years of age. And I could see the pain so there was something about the the, the character of Londo and Shakar. Like Londo was very patriotic. I mean, it was you know uh, he had a lot of pain. I think it was quite individual pain, and that he'd been passed over, and that he, you know nobody thought very much of him, and that was why he was in Babylon Five. And then the pain of Shakar, which was uh, probably an ancestral pain of of, of all the, all the trying not to swear or crap. Oh, don't worry happened. about it. It's all, the sh- <laughs> all, the, all the shit that had gone, go. gone on with, with, with the Narns, right? <laughs> so, you know, the Catholic and the Protestant side in Ireland. And I watched this thing every every Sunday, and I, I couldn't tell you uh, anything about what was going on with Babylon 5, but I could tell you what was going on with Shikar and, and, and Londo. Uh, and I was like, laser, I had laser focus. So this is why I didn't know who Claudia was when I first chatted to her, because that didn't matter at the time. It was just Lonzo and Jakar because they spoke very, very deeply to me. And um, yeah, that was my relationship with Babylon 5. It was very personal. It changed me. And I, and I think, you know, JMS, I mean, um, I have to pay tribute to him because he basically changed my life. He changed my perspective on um, on the world that I just I realized I didn't have to hear him. And um, that was very powerful. And uh, yeah, so it was my my first dealings with Babylon Five. Yeah, and I, I agree with you on because we're. Uh, I will point out I'm about to turn forty as well too, so we're about the same age, uh, sadly. But um, it's the same way for me as well too. And the fact that I have bits and pieces of memory of catching this thing. Of course, for us in the U.S., it was on PTEN, and you were lucky if you figured out when it was going to be on at some point as well too. So. Same idea there, but throughout it, I agree with you. The story that always resonated with me and resonated with a lot of folks is the Londo and Jakar. And I think a lot of that comes from, as you mentioned, JMS, but also Peter Jerusik and Andreas Katsoulis and this their ability to mm. just act the hell out of those parts and make you care. And as you said, too, to make them feel their, your, their pain with them, because both of them had quite a bit. There was a lot of that. And I think it was extremely deep. I, I, I find that. And I, even rewatching it, and I don't want to spoil too much for new, new viewers, but 
Oh, I threw um, a spoiler warning out. Go for it. Go but, for it. They're on their own. There was there was a particular episode, and um, you know, Claudia scolds me in this all the time, but because I'm terrible with episode names. But Coming of Shadows. Yes. When you see the reflection of what's happening in Narn with uh, the bombardment. Yes. Uh, and finally, the realization. And um, when I write, I mean, I'm, I'm writing some for, I work for Sony as well. I work for Narn of Design for Sony. And that comes back a lot about um, the redemptive nature of what people believe to be the villain. You know, Londo's scene is the, is the villain when he's asked what he wants. He's very honest about it. We're, we're all very scared when you say, you know, what we want. Um, we're all very scared of it. But Londo wasn't because it was born of truth and it was born of honesty. And it was, um, you know, that I think he could be condemned for what how he answered, but it was truth, and he, he didn't realize he was abstracting a lot of that patriotism, abstracting a lot of um, how he felt about the Narn until he saw it, until they saw what he had really wrought. And there was a moment just when you see that reflection, it's like, Oh my dear God, what have I done? Uh, uh, it was very powerful. Well, and for our, we have a group of newbies who are watching the show for the first time, and we just finished uh, Signs and Portents. Uh, oh, yes, yes. The, um, the, the, the tragedy of Londo and the tragedy of many characters like that, I think when you have a, a great character written, you have these decision points, these, these points of, as Chikar would say, points of transition, and he always makes the wrong decision every single time, and you root for him because you love the character, you love Londo. But he always makes the wrong decisions every single time. You're like, okay, here's the point where he can he can turn it around, and then he doesn't. But you continue to hope that one day he's going to turn it around. And but the the I idea, he does. That he, I think he does. I think that's that's why I actually love him. Yeah, I think there's a moment, um, and again, when he when he the, the torture of Shakar, and he looks at Shakar's more than just the enemy. There's yeah. there's the empathy, and there's like I didn't want this to happen to you. Very and true. then there's also that. The, the, the moment whenever they kind of cross paths and I've seen this recently so it's in my memory I have a, God I have a terrible memory Scott now. but <laughs> you know they, they, they cross each other's paths that's basically like, pray we don't you know, Jakar says you know you've fr- freed my home world pray we never cross paths again mm-hmm. and there's a sadness within Londo because it's like he remembers what could have happened that drink that moment where they were having a drink, and yeah. he even goes back with the League of Non-Aligned Worlds race. He's, he's talking about Sheridan's plan, and he goes, and he says, look, will you have the strength of me? And, and Jakar won't. Even when Jakar is spiritually enlightened, yeah. yes. he can't bring himself to it. But as you reach then, later on in season four, you see, uh, you see the transition. You see something happen. And Londo is a, is a very tragic, he's a Shakespearean tragic figure. I like to rem- remember him, and I talked to Peter about this. I like to remember him whenever he's at his at his best in season one, mm-hmm. where he's drinking and he's gambling and he's got Garibaldi as a friend and he's looking stunning in purple. Yeah, <laughs> and it's that's that's the sadness because that's really he's free and he falls in love and he's happy. He's free, and then you see what happens. Yeah. He, he's no longer free. It's a very, it's very, very, it's very sad and tragic. So that's that's why I look at Lando as a, I think, heroic figure because he he goes through his own Gethsemane in a way. 
and then comes out the other end. Which, by the way, is another amazing episode. Not that it's but it is. It's Brad Dwarf's. Oh, yes. I, one of our newbies was like, I really expecting Brad Dwarf to show up in this. I'm like, he will. Don't worry, he will. <laughs> you yeah, I, yeah, I trained to be a priest when I was very, very, very young. I have to say, when I was very young, I, in my teens. And um, that uh, story affected me. It was, again, it was, you know, this is the thing about the genius of JMS, that he doesn't shy away from religion. He shows how religion evolves. He shows the, the different types of religion and how everybody kind of just accepts it. It's just, a, it's a worldview. It's a, it, it's a worldview and nobody's fighting amongst themselves. And there's an all there's this altruism within the monks, you see, that what are they dedicated to? The truth. What are they trying to do? Well, they're trying to eliminate the truth through uh, the scripts. And they take those who have um, transgressed society, have had you know their minds wiped, and they give them new hope and new purpose. Yeah, I thought that was very powerful. That was mm-hmm. very powerful. I think that I think there's a hunger for Babylon Five. I think mm-hmm. there's something um, something about it, and it's not retro. Yeah, there's a lot of very poorly written science fiction out there. Uh, a lot of very poorly written franchise based science fiction. I'm trying not to get myself into trouble, <laughs> uh, but. When you it's look back at yeah, when you look back in sort of the nineties science fiction, it's it's almost perfect. It's almost they don't depict a utopian society, but they depict something that we should hope for, mm-hmm. and then give us the reality behind it as well, which is very powerful. And yeah. what we've got now is something completely different. It's like um, this is the way it should be, so this is the way it is. It's like, no, it, you need to strive for something and. Um, you always have the very, very powerful antagonists that are interesting. And I always find that's where it was wrong. The antagonists, they're not powerful enough. They don't engage. Mm. And when you look at Babylon 5, they had, you know, uh, sort of very fluid antagonists. You know, obviously they had the shadows, but they gave way to something worse. <laughs> so it was an escalation, but it was all very fluid. And, you know, you, were the Vorlons antagonists as well when you look at Sebastian and what happens to him? Mm-hmm. Possibly, possibly. How much manipulations there? All um, them firstborns, yeah. man. They were all trouble. Yeah, and Sheridan. I don't like me- I don't like Messiah figures because you know what's going to happen in the third act with the Messiah figure. Yeah, but um, Sheridan kind of peeled that back a bit, and I think it was because he, he wouldn't take shit. He didn't. He you know, he wouldn't take shit from anybody regardless of who they were. Um, and that was that was pretty powerful. Uh, so yeah, no, it's a, it's a brilliant series. It's, uh, and I think it'll I think it'll continue to grow. Well, that's the other thing too. You mentioned the the view of the future that isn't utopian but also isn't dystopian. And I, in doing this podcast for a bit, I have really been impressed with the fan base of Babylon Five. We you see so much in the way of toxicity among some. Fans, yes. uh, fan bases yes. it's not there for babylon 5 it's just not i've 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 now dived headlong into the community and i just it, everyone for the most part is a positive person and everyone is working towards the same kind of idea that we just love these stories we love these characters and we want to continue to talk about them and potentially perpetuate them in other forms as we go along and it's honestly very refreshing to see a fan base that doesn't try to eat its own. 
You know what I mean? Well, Kosh would have had third, uh, a third question. Ah, yes. What, uh, what have you learned? <laughs> yes, very much so. And that's the difference. That's the difference in fan base. It's the, um, what have you learned? Mm-hmm. And as I say, I've given the example of what I've learned. And that was, you know, for me at 10 years of age, because we really were taught to hate and kill each other. Mm-hmm. At that age, we were taught that was the other side. You'll do everything you can to hurt and kill the other side. And I mean, you know, um, my wife lived in Ireland with me for 16 months and she couldn't believe it. You know, people wearing masks and having guns in the streets and all sorts of things. That still goes on. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a kid just watching, you know, London Chicago. It was like, you know, I spoke to Peter about it. And I said, you don't get this. I it was it was very it's very powerful for people who live in a conflict society, conflict driven society. Um, so I do I, I think they're the most powerful characters. Uh, of course, a lot I love all the characters, but for me particularly, they're the two that I remember. Um, and then on another watch through now, obviously I'm I'm looking at uh, uh, Garibaldi uh, is one of my favorite characters. Bester, I think yeah. Bester is just a an incredible. Because again, he's not really a villain. If you look at it from his perspective, he's getting oh, yeah. fucked. He's getting fucked over. I mean, nobody asked to be born a telepath. Yeah, he's and just then, trying to protect his telepaths. That's and, all he's doing. And he said, you know, he wants a fair society for his people, mm-hmm. which we're denying essentially. And uh, yeah, he's 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 slightly Machiavellian. He's slightly uh, Mephistophelian because you if you make a deal with him, you are making a deal with the devil. Um, but yeah, it's it's those shades of grey that come in after repeated watches, and that's the interesting thing with Babylon Five. It's the repeated watches mm-hmm. that make it even more powerful and, and resonant. Can you say that of maybe next generation? Maybe Deep Space. I have a soft spot for Deep Space Nine as well. DS Nine is um, my favorite track, so you're not going to get any complaints from me. Yeah, it, it was another one that I watched when I was growing up. It was a bit. 11 or 12 or whatever it was and um, again the uh, the nature of it and I think the underpinning is actually a spiritual one um, it's a very spiritual one you have you know uh, Cisco being a prophet so you had Kirk who's the explorer you had uh, Card who's the philosopher king you had Cisco as the prophet and then you had Janeway who was the tyrant uh, and, but Cisco was the prophet uh, it was very interesting and you have that to a certain point with uh, Sheridan as well, where he becomes the prophet mm-hmm. slash messiah. And Kosh has been grooming him all this time. Okay. And Kosh is the anomaly. I think with the Vorlons, Kosh is somebody who actually does give a damn. Yeah. Um, well, and so the fact that they can make... The fact that they can make caution to a father figure before it's all said and done, uh, and I'm looking forward to when our newbies see that. Yeah, that's a, a, just whenever he and whenever he becomes the when he reveals himself. Yeah, everybody except Londo doesn't see him. He feels desolate. Mm-hmm. He really feels desolate. He hasn't saw anything. It's like I saw nothing. Why? Well, he's betrayed soul. The soul's gone. Feist does this. Feist betrays his soul for for um, experience Metastopheles and I think that's who Morden represents Met- uh, Morden's Metastopheles he's smooth he's cunning he's conniving he's, um, he's Metastopheles and he leads Lando Lando through uh, so many experiences that Lando believes he wants but the one experience Lando has always wanted is to be loved and to have friends and that evades him 
uh, during season two, season three, season four. Season four, he starts to come back a little bit, but it's very sad. And that, that's why I think he's he's the character that I understand the most. It's it's very Shakespearean, it's very tragic, and it's, it's something we all uh, live in danger of with aspirations and hopes and dreams, the dark side of that and what it can cost us. But so, you are... Very well-written character. You are right, though. At the end of the day, it takes a lot of alcohol and the hands of Jakar to do it, but at the end of the day, Londo does redeem himself and moves on the best way he can. And it's, and it's, it's a lovely thing. It's a, there's a sacrificial thing, too, but he sees it. Everything's done in prophecy. Yes. So I always ask the question, you know, how much choice... <laughs> which choice that any of them have and um, it's quite disturbing when you think about it you know the, the prophecy of the technomages you know uh, the, uh, you know the sort of psychic sensitive uh, Centauri lady that he encounters and it's like he's doomed from the start and he knows he is he sees it he sees it all coming to pass and that's why he turns to a lot of alcohol as well because he can't it's like through alcohol he's free Almost, and then you see that whenever he is the keeper, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. It is, it, you know, it's it's a fascinating series, and I'm not sure it's truly appreciated in the way that it should be. Because I, as I say to people who say, you know, we should never do this, we should never remake it, and I say there are many more stories to tell in this universe. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think it's it, because the universe is dear to all our hearts. Um, we need those stories to be told. And I think this is the time to do it. Agreed. Well, and the guy who, it's not like a lot of these reboots, the guy who originally came up with the idea is saying, I have more ideas. So yeah, hell yeah. Um, show me. Yeah. Bring them on. <laughs> I wanted to, I mean, I, I was always, I was afraid to split it with B5 comics because of the crap. And, and you know, the, some of the books were brilliant. The psych were books were brilliant and stuff like that. But I mean, that's where Dark Legacies really came from. It's Claudia yeah. came to me and said, you know, um, I know you'll be able to write something that will be fun and cool and just, you know, can we do this? And I said, yeah, of course. Um, but what, what's nice about it is it's running, it's almost running in parallel with, with, with Battle of Five coming back. And, um, well, hopefully. We'll see we, what happens. I continue, we'll to see. Refresh, I continue yeah. to refresh JMS's Patreon going, come on, come on. I, th- I think it'll I think it will happen. I'm not sure what in what form it will happen. Yeah, that's the question too. And that's my thought as well. It'll it'll happen in the form that it needs to happen. Uh, television is one medium. Mm-hmm. I personally I don't television's okay, but I, I think you can get a lot more done in a novel and graphic novels than you can with television. Uh, and with what a fraction of the budget. So well, hell, look at Nicholas Meyer is taking his con story and making it into a podcast because they wouldn't make it for a TV. So yeah, and it's, idea. I, I think I think JMS is determined, and I think he's driven he's he's driven by particular muses, and I think those muses will probably give him the way forward. I think you know it, it's weird for me. I've had blockers and stuff, um, and they've just disappeared because there's stories I've had to tell. In, in the Dracula universe, mostly, uh, and they've happened. The, mo- the most unlikely thing. I mean, I I know some likely person who'll ever meet Scott. I mean, um, to be running a Dracula franchise with Stoker family that was insane for a start. Let alone writing for Terminator and Doctor Who and all that mm-hmm. stuff in it in a year. So that proves that the what people term as the impossible can't happen. Um, yeah. Is the CW the right vehicle for it? 
Maybe it won't be. Maybe somebody else is going to step in and turn around and say, you know what? We love we love your current idea and we'll take it onwards. Because I think we have to be careful that it's not that we love the Babylon 5 from the 90s. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of doing it because we're jitting around. It has to be, we love what you're going to do now. Yes. And let's do it. Um, so let's see what happens. I have, I have hope and faith in the great maker. I think it will. I think it will work out. Um, there might be many trials and tribulations, but trials and tribulations lead to good stories at conventions. That they do. That they do. So, in terms of what you got going on now, is there anything else that you want to hit on or talk about that we haven't chatted about yet? Um, just the issue two is is being prepared. It's getting ready. Uh, we. We do have another Babylon 5, 5 main cast member joining us, but on pain of death, I'm not allowed <laughs> to release who that is until uh, until a Kickstarter. I can say that, you know, Pat Talman's come on board. Yeah, you now um, said a couple of days you ago. Know, so that, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, we because Pat released it. <laughs> she was so excited. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, God, I can't, I can't suppress this. Gonna... And she went and she got headshot, new headshots for the artists and – so thank you, Pat, for that. Um, I'm not so, actually surprised that she would be the one to leak her own story. She seems to be that kind of character. Yeah, she's <laughs> a lo- lovely lady. Um, and, and, you know, she plays Claudia's uh, sister, uh, evil fraternal twin sister. Um, evil, yeah, she actually is quite, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, she's a fantastic lady. And uh, I think I'm just, I'm, I love the fact that everybody's just really going for it and really enjoying this. Yeah. So it, I'm going on a journey with the cast members of Babylon 5, which is a bit surreal. But um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, come along with us. I'm trying, I'm crafting this with the cast members. It's not Babylon 5. It's something new. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's kind of why this all started was because we wanted to give the fans something. And this was this obviously in the days before the CW reboots and all sorts of things we wanted to do. We wanted to do something. So it was, uh, uh, yeah. So you know, come with us on our journey. We do have, we've, you know, we're talking about the comic books, but we do have, um, you know, short stories coming out, anthologies with the novellas. Uh, I've just signed a deal for three games. Uh, there's a video game and there's audio dramas. So there's a lot for everybody to sort of get their teeth into. If they commonly join the Facebook group, uh, Claudia Christian's Dark Legacies, I'm dropping little clips of audio dramas from um, various sci-fi stars from the, from the worlds of Doctor Who and uh, Babylon 5 as well. Uh, little clips of those. I'm also dropping free stories in there so you can dip your toes in, have a look. And you'll get all the news about uh, various games and stuff that are coming out. Awesome. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes below. So if you want to join up on that Facebook group, you can find that down below. So I'm I'm looking at your bio, and I have to do this because my brother will hate me if I don't. Uh, my brother runs his own podcast called Beyond the Mouse. Yes. And I do see that yes. you did some work yes. with Terry Harden uh, Jackson. Uh, and so I would love to hear a little bit about that just so I can rub it in Craig's face and say that I talked to you before he did. Uh, Terry, Terry's a lovely lady. Um, how did I start this? So Terry, so, uh, Terry contacted me because a mutual friend had gone on one of Terry's retreats 
and she's a very talented artist. Uh, Terry came to me and said, show me some of your art. I am not a talented artist in any way, shape, or form. I dabble. I am lucky that I have, I've worked with uh, William Shatner on his Man of War, War series. I've done bits and pieces uh, with Judge Dredd. I actually sent her some of my Judge Dredd stuff, and she loved it. And it was like, this is the stuff that I really enjoy. And we we had a friend, we, we built a friendship and we started working together on like Star Wars stuff. And actually quite recently, we wrote the Boba Fett story together, which um, which went up online. And uh, I have to be careful what I say, but that was, it was it was in keeping with the classic understanding of Boba Fett, where mm. he was quite a hardcore uh, bounty hunter. She's a classic Star Wars fan. So, you know, so we've, we've worked together on some Star Wars stuff and um, I'm actually writing her biography. So, yeah, that's... And she has one hell of a resume. I mean, she worked on Ghostbusters. She's worked on Men in Black. She's done a, a hell of a lot of stuff. She's worked on Star Wars. She's, you know... Um, and she's ama- an amazing lady. And uh, I would... You know, I, I term her as, her as one of my mentors because, yeah, she... She kind of helped. She kind of helped form me, and she does uh, this this great Patreon, and she trying to she tries to help our creatives and foster their talents as well through that. I'm trying to figure out, Chris, when you actually sleep. I you don't. To, I don't. Exactly. I I kind of work for. I mean, there there is a joke because obviously I work in Dracula now, and there's a joke. I do have an allergy to garlic. I can't wear silver because. And I, I work about 16, 17 hours a day. That's that's the truth. I mean, I've I mean I've got thirty stories out this year and games out and you know, all sorts of things going on. It's it's I, I think it's like the ultimate rush. I mean, I don't eat cocaine. Uh, it's, it's just the old <laughs> creation, the old rush, you know. So it's yeah, it's fantastic. I, I've I've really enjoyed it, and I'm I'm you know I've, I've been lucky. You know, I've been praised by you know from a horror stuff. I've been praised by Stephen King, and and you know I've, I've been horror. Uh, I was poet of the month of June, I think, for the Horror Writers Association. I do mentorship for uh, Horror Writers Association and uh, Sci-Fi. Um, I've won awards, and really all that distills down to you is that you just you just keep writing until something sticks uh, you know if you if you're listening to this and you're a writer you're an aspiring writer it's like keep going and uh treat it like a, a job you know actually set hours for yourself to write and uh achieve your achieve goals and, yeah well and as you said earlier you're living the hell out of your life and that just sounds like an yes. excellent way to spend that time yeah i'm i'm diagnosed as terminally ill so, you know, if, if people research me to find out, so uh, cancer, if, mm-hmm. you know, I've been fighting that right, for uh, four years now. So, um, yeah, and like last year I was in a wheelchair and the doctors thought I was going to just drop down dead at any time. So I, I just decided, you know, it was like, fuck it, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm going to live this life. I'm, I love video games. I love writing stories. Um, and I've been very fortunate that people have enjoyed my stories. So what I've been doing now is trying to mentor people and try and get them to um, embrace their life. And if you know if they want to be creatives, if they want to draw, if they want to uh, be in film, if they want to do audios, if they want to do um, you know stories, I try and help them with that because that's what life's really about. That that's really the, the secret joy of life. To be honest, it's, it's helping other people to get to where they they want to be. Well, Chris, I definitely appreciate the time you've given us and. Um... 
I, I would love to keep discussing this stuff with you as you continue to build this universe along with everything else you're working on too. So hopefully you won't be a stranger on this. And again, if you want to do any kind of other plugin, feel free to do it now and we'll wrap this sucker up. Um, I suppose I should. So we've, we've got the tracker. If you, if you don't mind me talking about the Dracula stuff no, for a bit. Do it. Hey, so, so, so we've got our uh, official Dracula sequel. So if I say official, it's the first time that a member of the Stoker family uh, has been involved in a Dracula uh, sequel. Uh, Decker Stoker's a great grand nephew of Bram Stoker. He's an international best-selling author as well uh, and a great friend. So we have that coming out. That's going to be hitting stores new soon. Um, we also have um, for games. We've got a RPG that's coming out, Stoker vs. RPG, uh, illustrated by Clint Langley, the most uh, Warhammer 40k fans and uh, comic fans know. And we've got a miniature war game coming out in the Dracula universe and also a Castlevania-style video game, which will be in Steam, PS4, PS5, Xbox, and Game Boy cartridge. There you go. Yeah, yeah you go. I've, I've decided we would go retro, so it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be shoehorned into a Game Boy Color cartridge and Decker will sign those cartridges and they'll be limited editions so there you are that's amazing i as as a as a child of the 80s i approve i approve oh yeah i think i mean actually one of my jobs i work for a company called Anstream, and it's all about what it's an online arcade company uh yeah that's one of my job and dream jobs working with you know Hackman and space invaders and you know all those kind of games all those classic games and uh yeah i'm a gamer I, i'm just well i'm a geek scott i'm a gamer i'm somebody who likes comic books i love audio dramas i love rpgs that's something i've recently been into so yeah so yeah it's a very i have a very rewarding life and so i'm very grateful for it that's great well, thank you so much, Chris. And again, I'll have all the links down in the show notes. So please be sure to check out uh, Dark Legacies and everything that they're doing over there, uh, as well as I'll link out to some of the other stuff that Chris is working on as well, too. Uh, so you can check that out as well. And Chris, I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule uh, to chat with me. And then, like I said, uh, hopefully we can do this again, my friend. Yeah, it's been a great pleasure. I, I've been following your podcast and... Uh, yeah, well, you know, there'll probably be next time there'll be somebody with a probably a special guest coming on, hopefully. Um, and this we can talk. I hope. It yeah, is. yeah, yeah. We we can <laughs> we can we can chat more about their perspective of of dark legacies. Uh, being the writer, I have one perspective, but cast and they turn the term as cast members. Cast members will have their perspectives. Absolutely, yeah. Well, it, it's great to kind of have that ability to work together to kind of build this thing out with all these different perspectives, which doesn't always happen. So allowing cast and the authors and everybody to work together, I'm sure helps to build out that story as well too. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I really enjoy it. Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to this podcast and links to our social media accounts at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so please join the discussion on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. 
Gray 17 is a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. You can find all the Front Row shows at thefrontrownetwork.com. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All audio clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing Babylon 5 themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. What's going on? You all look like a pock just ate your cat.